0: Our hips don't lie. This is the Bearded Car Cast as we get ready for our 14th annual Super Bowl debrief. I thought
1: this was our Iowa caucus special.
0: No, that's next week. Oh, good. Yeah, that's next Super week. Super Tuesday's next month. That's right. Super Tuesday. Well, it, and it's not, uh, it's not a 14th annual review of the Super Bowl without our good friend Reggie Walker <laughs> joining us here on the Bearded Car Cast. Episode 24. I think it's like your third or fourth episode, so I'm, I'm starting to show up a lot. This you're, is a good thing. You're slowly becoming uh, one of our most popular is it guests.
1: Large paychecks.
0: Uh, listen,
2: the checks are. I'll just tell people at <laughs> home: you might want to get a couple of these. They clear. They do clear <laughs> every time, and it's uh, it's it's net twenty four hours
0: too. So it's awesome. It's pretty good. So pretty the good. Super
1: Bowl. What mm. do we think? Like just very very general like memorable game exciting game a game that you'll forget six months from now or five years from now like like large scale a game that was lived up to the hype didn't I think in some ways it did
2: live up to the hype I think it was uh it was a well-played game I don't think it I wouldn't call this an instant classic um but I do think uh when you look back on this game you know a year from now there will be some positives I think the lasting overall memory of this game is that Andy Reid got over the hump. I think that'll be the biggest piece of it. Um, but it's one of those sort of run-of-the-mill, I don't want to use that term to downplay it, but it was it it was a, it was a your sort of average kind of Super Bowl with some good moments in
1: it. What happened? The 49ers were in control of the game for, I mean, it was tied at halftime, but, but you're in the fourth quarter, you're up double digits, and you have the ball. What, what happened over the final 12 minutes? We found out that Kansas
2: City's defense was better than obviously last year but, yeah. but it wasn't a mirage uh, that they were better defensively and and the other thing we found out is as much as we may like Debo Samuel as good as George Kittle is or uh, you know any of those those playmakers for the 49ers, you've got to have a guy that in a moment can just make a play and they don't quite have that. I like Debo Samuel. He did some nice things in the game last night. Kittle did some nice things. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that offensive pass interference call in a, in a bit. Uh, but the reality is um, that is a football team that is devoid of a, a sort of supernatural or a guy that you just absolutely fear as a playmaker, as good as Kittle is. I talked about it. it it's not like what Tyreek Hill does. Tyreek Hill scares you with his speed. He, 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 like, you wake up in the morning and you go, I got to figure out how not to let this guy take the top off of my defense. Debo Samuel doesn't do that right now. George Kittle doesn't do that. They, they just don't quite have those pieces uh, with the 49ers from the offensive side. Because in a game like this, sometimes
1: somebody just has to make a play. It's interesting, though. You look at the game and you feel like the game was lost by the 49ers offense. And I was thinking kind of like... The big story is Mahomes' fourth quarter. He was the MVP, and he was terrific down the stretch. But when you look at the 49ers' offensive deficiencies, it seemed to me that there were one or two or three throws that if Jimmy Garoppolo hits, they're celebrating a championship. I agree.
2: I, I also I also say to that, um, because as I've always said this, every quarterback, I don't care who they are how good they are, they're going to miss a couple in a game. Uh, And Jimmy missed a couple. Now, can you afford to do that in a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. But I can guarantee you, um, as much as we want, some people may want to sit and malign Jimmy Garoppolo. That pick that Mahomes threw? Horrible, horrible. How do you, like most people are saying, how do you not see the linebacker? Guess what, people? In every game, a quarterback has one of those every game. At least every couple of games there there are we can go back and look at the season that you can ask Tom Brady there are plays where he's like I just did not see that flat defense yeah. What that happens and so from that standpoint you look at Jimmy and you go man it just happened at the wrong time agreed and then you get a play the problem is on the flip side you get a play like the one Mahomes made to Tyreek Hill and you go that's the kind of stuff that Jimmy can't do well obviously right. everybody can't do what Pat Mahomes does um, so you look at that game last night, and you're watching these b- both of these quarterbacks. But the thing I saw, the biggest message to me, and, and I've somewhat defended Garoppolo because we haven't seen him put in a position, but there was a message to me last night in that game by Kyle Shanahan that told me they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. You get the football back with three timeouts in your pocket with a minute and a half to go late in the second quarter, and initially you run the ball twice. That yeah. tells me you don't think – your quarterback can make a play. And then on third down, the Chiefs give you basically a prevent defense. They drop eight. You hit a, a seam route, and you get 40 yards, and now you want to try to speed it up. That, to me, was like, I don't really trust me. Oh, we got to play. All right, we'll do something. I, I didn't like that. that. That told me that there was a little bit of a confidence
1: issue. To play devil's advocate, it's a tied game. You're getting the ball to begin the third quarter, and the pace of the game has been to your liking. So, yeah, it is a conservative play call, but you have to feel good about we're going to have the ball to begin the third quarter in a tied game at 10 that that's the perfect half for the 49ers
2: i agree with that but i think it's it's not just that you called runs it's the run plays you called on the first two plays you're going right up the middle where the chiefs are pretty good defensively at least give me a sweep see if i can get the edge give me one of those reverses that you had called to debo samuel early and give me something that says i'm trying to see if we can create a play as opposed to waiting and I think it was third and six or third and yeah. seven, and then he throws a little dart kind of throw uh, over the middle, and they pick up 25 or whatever
1: it was, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now we got to try to get points. I, I, I Well, thought, they weren't trying to get points because Reed used the timeout after second down. If Reed doesn't use that timeout, they're going to run the ball a third time and go into the locker which room. Which is the
2: other problem there.
1: I mean, because that, again, that speaks to
2: the exact point of I don't know that my quarterback can go down here and get points. Again, I get your point with getting the ball back. But this is also the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: But that's the point. The point is you're playing against the best offense in the NFL. You better get points. And you're thinking, okay, we got the ball back. We're pinned pretty deep in our own territory. And he thinks the chances of Kansas City scoring is higher than his chances of scoring. To me, this is an analytics question. Who has a better chance of scoring? If we throw the ball three times here, what are the chances of getting a first down? What are the chances we actually go down the field and score versus turning the ball over versus we throw the ball a couple times, we stop the clock, we punt, they come down and score, and now we're trailing going into the locker room. I mean, I think he weighed the options and said, yeah, of course we'd like the lead, but I think – if we're aggressive, the chances of them scoring is better than as us scoring. Now, maybe that's a wrong calculation. Maybe that doesn't show great confidence, but I, I think the numbers would tell you it's kind of like a, it could go either way. Correct. Like, I understand the decision he made, I understand what the result was, but I, I don't see it as a, Oh, my God, what an egregious decision. I think the numbers say it's pretty 50-50. No, it
2: wasn't egregious. It just told me that there is a belief or, or lack thereof that Jimmy would be able to protect the ball if they threw it. But and, what's and then, wrong
1: with the idea that my defense has taken me to this point and I'm going to let my defense win the Super Bowl and I'm going to go into the locker room and I'm going to tell my defense, you've done the job for, for 30 minutes, I want you to do it for another 30. Because
2: you just answered my question, actually, with, with saying that. Because the other piece of it to me is, okay, let's say you take a take a shot, you know, on first down or whatever, or just do something a little less conservative. and try, If you don't get a first down, this is the same defense that's played well in the first half. So you're also saying... Maybe this is just me overthinking it, but you're also saying, while I trust or maybe not trust my quarterback, i also not sure my defense can get another stop this half. And I think that's where uh, you've got to really look. And, again, it, it's, yeah, you're around your 20-yard line. You punt the ball, they're probably going to get the ball somewhere near midfield, and you know what Andy Reid's going to do. He's going to be aggressive. Yeah. But that's where you've got to hope and trust and understand and have the confidence in your defense but if that they Kittle can get doesn't you a stop. If not call
1: for the OPI, you're going to score.
2: Well, yeah. It, it, now, so like, it actually it, worked out. That's well, it did work out because they went because the Chiefs gave you a prevent defense on thirty-seven. Right. That's the only reason why it worked well, out, and
1: the only reason you threw was because the Chiefs were calling timeouts. Correct. What did you think of the OPI?
2: Uh, I thought it was actually a really good call. And 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 listen, I, I may be a defensive back being defensive here. Uh, you love that that play on words there, uh, but any time and any official will tell you this: any time you get a receiver who gets his arm fully extended, and then separation comes because of it. It wasn't a lot, but it was some. They're going to throw the flag every time. I thought uh, whether we like the call or not, I thought it was the right application of the rule. Um, And so I think sometimes that's where we get caught in football and in any sport, right? It's not the call. It's the application of the rule. I'll give you a prime example. Uh, Did catch a little bit of the the Duke-Syracuse game the other night and uh, uh Vernon Carey dunked the basketball and screamed in the direction of a Syracuse player. Uh, they immediately gave him a technical foul. Corey Alexander made the point, he doesn't care about the scream because the rule is that's a technical. His issue is it shouldn't be a rule. College basketball is an emotional game. Kids are going to react. If I just dunked on somebody and made a poster out of them, if I can't scream, It doesn't make any sense. And then later in the game, uh, uh, a different Duke player dunked the basketball, turned away from all other players and screamed, and there was no technical because it wasn't in the direction of another player. And Corey Alexander again said, this is why this rule makes no sense because it's basically based on which direction you turn after dunking the basketball. And in the first case –
0: Well, one is taunting and one – Correct.
2: And and his point was – when Vernon Carey dunked the first time, he dunked the ball and turned to run back down the other court, the other end of the court, while screaming, whilst a Syracuse player was walking toward him to take right. the ball out of bounds. That's where the issue yeah. was with the call. Right. So again, it's about the application of the rule. Yeah. Sometimes the rule is the issue more than the application of it. So is th- the
1: offensive pass interference
2: rule wrong? Uh, no, I, I, I think I think in that case, um, that's a good call. I think in that case, that's the right call. The problem is a lot of times officials get caught looking at the result as opposed to was it really egregious enough for it to be a foul. Right. Um, most people would tell you they didn't think there was that much contact. That's a 250-pound tight end pushing a
1: 180-pound right. defensive back. He's going to move that guy. One of the big NFL offseason topics that we'll get to in a little bit is how the game is officiated and particularly how pass interference is officiated yeah. and whether you're going to be able to review that going forward. But before we get to that, the rest of the game. So that's what happened in the second quarter. Yep. But the game was won and lost in the fourth quarter. Yes. What is the big takeaway? Patrick Mahomes can't be stopped. Something schematically that the 49ers did that. Garoppolo missed Emmanuel Sanders on probably what would have put the game away. Like, what is the big takeaway?
2: Uh, The big takeaway, I think, is two things. I think from an offensive standpoint, um, when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, it's about trusting 15 uh, and 15 trusting his guys. Tyreek Hill dropped a critical ball in the fourth quarter. And guess what happens three plays later? Tyreek Hill catches a big yeah. ball down the sideline after Mahomes got out of the pocket. And and I'll get back to the pocket thing in a second. That tells you right there, Mahomes, first of all, Eric Bienemy and Andy Reid trust 15 to, to make all the plays. And then 15 trusts his guys. Even if they drop one, even if they miss a play – He's going to come back to those guys and expect them to continue to perform. So that's step one. When your quarterback believes in you as a playmaker, you're going to make plays for him. So that's step one. Step two, and probably maybe even more important, all of a sudden that 49er pass rush could not keep Mahomes inside of those defensive ends. When he starts getting outside and making plays with his arm, from outside, that's where you have major
1: problems. Who made the adjustment? Like, why were they able to hem a man for three quarters and not in the fourth?
2: I think it's two pieces. I think number one that listen, anytime that defensive line is good as they are, they they sometimes are so much in pass rush mode they run themselves out. Uh, I think there was some fatigue on their part. Number one, uh, I think number two, and 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 which people, is the same thing that
0: happened to Atlanta a couple of years ago against the Patriots,
2: absolutely. And then the second piece of it, I think people forget. The Chiefs' offensive line is one of the better offensive yeah. lines in the league, yep. and, and they made some adjustments in the second half with some of their pass protections. Started moving the protections yeah. to the to you know sliding protections right. in different spots yeah. in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter, that I thought were really good adjustments. Um, and so you add those things up with an offensive line playing better and doing some different things to try to confuse the defensive front, maybe some fatigue with the defensive front, and then all of a sudden Mahomes gets outside the pocket, hits it. And that's the other thing. A big ball is deflating to a defense. You start hitting a couple of big balls or you start making a couple of big runs outside the pocket, it's very difficult. And when you can't get your hands on Mahomes, when he starts running around and he steps out of bounds right right before a big hit, it it impacts you. And I think the toughness of Mahomes was – figured out in the first half when he took that hit down near the goal line and the defensive back was worse for wear I think that told that defense man we can't really impact this guy and it was a matter of time for Mahomes from that point to where he started to make some plays
0: well to your point the I think that play the 44 yard play to Tyree Hill, I think Mahomes actually called that and then the Andy Reid kind of approved it there was one play uh, I was reading a story about that that was that was pretty interesting but that was a, a key point too because if people might forget this but it was third and 10 yes and you know i had an opportunity to force them to kick a field goal or get them off the field mm-hmm. and then that, that's so deflating to a defense
2: absolutely it was such a great play call uh he caught them in the coverage they wanted uh it was basically a man free type of situation and uh, Tyreek Hill just just won the battle with the safety number 20 he just beat him over the top and then got back to the outside and it, it was a trail and i, and I will say this as great of a play as that was, Pat Mahomes messed that play up. It should have been a touchdown. He put too much air under the football, yeah. and Tyreek Hill had to wait for it. If not, that's a touchdown. Yeah. And we're we're looking at that play in the whole game a little bit differently because we're going, what a touchdown, what a right. big throw. Um, and the 49ers were able to kind of get another opportunity to try to get a stop uh, to no avail, obviously. But uh, even e- that's another example of quarterbacks missing throws. As good as Pat Mahomes is, that's a throw he missed. Yeah. But it doesn't
0: go down as a miss cuz it was a completion. But the other key play too was the defensive pass interference. Absolutely. And what's interesting is I remember watching that play and it wasn't so much that they were one-on-one but I think more kind of came in at an angle but every, every everybody in that situation says, turn around. And the, yes, and the, yes. That, what, what Why do you think that stuff like that? Because you see that all the time. Right. It, I think guys panic. I think more than anything, defensively, you get in that
2: situation. You know you're beat. You know you're late. And you panic. And you lose and that's that's where that's the difference in like good versus great players is not panicking in certain moments right. sticking to your technique uh, keeping with what you've been taught more in that moment panicked and i said it right away i said that's that's pass interference yeah. and there were a couple people in the room that said uh, no way. He didn't touch him. And I said, it doesn't matter. You have to turn you have your to head. right, right, right. If right. not, that is a penalty yeah. every time. And you can't,
0: you can't not call
2: that. Like, right. They had and to it's, call it. Right. And it's another application of the rule, right? right? Whether or not it was egregious contact, the application of the rule says right. you can't just run to a guy and put your hands right. up and right. face him. Yeah, because I don't think he did contact no, he, him. And there he was just, not a lot yeah. of contact, if any. But the application of the rule is you have to turn your head. If, if there's going to be any contact, you better turn your head, and then it's deemed incidental.
1: This is the Bearded Cardcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. Reggie Walker is with us. The NFL season is over. Sad?
2: I am. um, I love football. I just love football. Well, the XFL Um, starts on Sunday. This is the XFL. Will you watch? I I will. Um, Just like I did the AAF, I'll I'll give it an opportunity and, and... you know uh, what I thought with the AAF, even though it didn't survive the Alliance of American Football. If, if, if for those that are listening aren't aware, what? Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: who doesn't know the AAF? In their long storied history, in their long storied history, it, it was
2: you know watching those games. The game was a little bit faster than college wasn't quite as fast as the NFL, so right. it's quality football. Uh, I think if the XFL can do the same thing, and they've got some players there uh, that have had some NFL experience, Cardell Jones comes to mind. Right. Uh, we remember him at Ohio State and what he did. And, and he looked good with – I think he was with the Chargers when I saw him uh, in preseason. Too, yeah. Buffalo before that. He looked good in preseason with the Chargers, throwing the football around. Again, he was one of the threes, playing against threes. Yeah. Say what you want about that. But if the quality, I think, of the football is, is to the level or higher – um, than the AAF, or, and definitely higher than college football. I don't expect it to be NFL level, obviously. Uh, but if the game is faster and, and, and a little bit more quality than college football, I think it, it's got Why did power. the AAF fail? Uh, they, 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 did uh, they did everything yeah. too fast. They did everything too Well, the other piece of it, money was a factor. Uh, the speed at which they tried to do everything was a factor. And then you've got to... You've got to have a TV deal that you can make money off of to, to keep
1: you financially yeah. Does stable. Does the XFL have that? They do.
2: Um, they've they've got some kind of a deal with a, a lot of it with the with ESPN as well. Um, they're using some of the ESPN folks to call the games, which I think will help them also. Um, and then and then I think they they have done a good job. See Vince McMahon, uh, whether we like him or not, he is a pretty good businessman, and initially. When he first did the the XFL, when he first tried it, it was was supposed to be a slap in the face uh, to everybody and to any other football entity out there. Right now, it seems as if he's trying to create a partnership with the NFL to give them a place to send players or allow players to come to help them develop for the NFL. Uh, And that starts with the timing of when the league is playing, uh, in addition to um you know working with some of the same tv people uh tv partners as well as the timing in which he took to build the league put the product back on the field yeah. I-, I think he's doing a better job this time uh creating somewhat of a relationship with the national football league because the reality is if the national football league doesn't want to help you you're a football you're entity out. that's destined to right. fail
0: well and i think the aaf too they they I, if you look back to history, I think this was kind of like the space race. I mean, the, the Russians actually put something up into space first, mm-hmm. but the United States kind of had more of a sustained product. Brilliant. And yeah. I think because the XFL initially and because of the AAF, yep. you know, Vince McMahon and the people that are running it now have two – they can take – and USFL. They can go back to the USFL too absolutely. And take everything that did not work apply it with what did work and have a chance to be successful absolutely I mean you got to learn from history
2: you got to learn from mistakes and I think Vince has done at least on the surface has done a really good job of that they've marketed it the right way uh it's been a it's been a slow burn right not a not a fast let's get this thing on the field it's been a really slow burn and a yeah. setup uh
0: to like, where- I feel like the AF was more like it was heavily promoted from yes. December to now, where the A, no, the XFL. I don't think it's been as much, but I think it's been heavier in the last two weeks. It has,
2: and and they've essentially,
0: they've essentially said NFL. When you're quiet, will be loud.
2: Yeah, um, and you notice you didn't hear much about them this week. Yeah, the XFL stayed quiet leading up to the Super Bowl. This morning, they said football's not over. XFL is here. Yeah, it, it's very strategic. The way the marketing folks over there have laid it out, and I think that's going to help them uh have a chance at sustained success. So
1: this is the Bearded Carcast with Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Friedman. We're with Reggie Walker. This afternoon, as we recap the NFL season, you can be a part of the program. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. You can listen on on iTunes and Stitcher, and we'd appreciate if you would leave a review. If you have ideas where we should go with the show now that football is over, certainly chime in and let us know. Somebody will tell us where to go. Yeah, (laughs) where should we go? (laughs) Who who does a reset better than Dave Friedman right there, though? (laughs) Love the reset. There there was a commercial last night where there was a guy with his head up his backside. I kind of enjoyed that. (laughs) There was. Uh, the, no, the, the best commercial was the, bad last night. Now,
0: from a Boston guy, the best one was the The, Smatka, the Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good.
1: There were some good commercials last night. So we'll get to the Panthers in a little bit because that's the local topic. But big picture NFL offseason, mm-hmm. I, I think the global biggest story is the collective bargaining agreement, which is going to be renegotiated. It it doesn't end until the end of next season, but they are discussing seriously the 17 game season. Yeah. But I I think the shorter term question is the quarterbacks and free agency and specifically Tom Brady. So let's go one by one. And I think the, the collective bargaining agreement is, is a very nuanced story. So let's just start with Brady. Where does he play next year?
2: I think Brady's back in new England. There was a report, uh, just before the Super Bowl that came out that said they're willing to pay him in excess of $30 million, uh, a year. If that's accurate, I think he ends up back in New England with the Patriots uh, for two reasons. Number one, I, I just, uh, for me, and, and I'm not a Patriots fan by any stretch, but it would be weird. I, I don't think I could see him playing in another uniform. But Peyton of, Manning played on Denver. He, he did. The difference was Peyton Manning was cut because of injury. Yeah. Um. You go back to Joe Montana. He was traded. Um, but when you look at Tom Brady... I don't know that I expect him to leave
1: straight up as a free agent. Is it his choice? Yes. I think it is. I don't think it is. I think 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 it's Bill Belichick's choice. I think it's Bob Kraft's choice. Bob Kraft has said he'll pay him, but Bob Kraft has won, won, and won because he's trusted Bill Belichick. I I think Bill Belichick's making the call, and I don't know what the proper call is. Would you pay Tom Brady $30 million?
2: I don't know that I would pay Tom Brady $30 million, but the other piece of it is if I turn around and look in that quarterback room, I don't have an answer either.
0: But here's the thing. You're making it sound as if it's a one-sided thing. Like if Tom Brady has earned the right, I think, and I agree with you, Reggie. I think it'd be disastrous for New England fans to see him go, but he's earned that right to, to test the market. The, yeah. the market, I think the market and Bill Belichick uh, and Tom Brady, it's a three-headed monster. I agree it's with not-
1: I think it's a two-headed monster because Kraft has already said, I'll write the check. So it's, does Brady want to come back? And does Belichick want Brady back? It doesn't matter. Both of them have to be on the same page. If Belichick doesn't want Brady back, that's the end of that. And if Brady wants to go somewhere else, that's the right. end of that. They both have to want to work together.
0: But I think what you're saying is for him to come back, it's Belichick's call.
1: Well, I think it is. I, I, mean, think,
0: I think Belichick I, would have to...
2: I, to your point, Dave, I, I think...
0: I don't think it's that I
2: don't think, I think it's that Belichick easy. would I, have it's to it's say, yeah, I'm that. good with this.
1: Well, I, to me, if Brady is has the opportunity to go back to New England to make the money he wants. I think, and I don't know, I don't know, Tom Brady, we we, we didn't Skype about this last night, we didn't text <laughs> about it, but my my guess is he looks at all the places he could go and thinks the infrastructure in New England gives him the best opportunity to win the Super Bowl. I mean, we've heard about the Raiders, we've heard about the Chargers. No. People have bandied about the Bears or the Titans. I, I think. and Reg, but, you, but,
0: the, but the Raiders and Chargers make sense because both going into new buildings. But try- neither of them have man. as good a roster and neither
2: Especially of them have Bill Belichick. I think, I, I, I'll say this, of those two teams, the Chargers make more sense. What about those three teams, including the Patriots? Who has the best roster? I think the best roster top to bottom right now. Man, ooh. It's got to be New England right now. Right. Um and, and, and I would say the Chargers are second of uh, the Raiders. Yeah. They have the draft picks, but they
1: don't have the players in place right now. But if the Patriots have the best roster, and we've never thought that Brady's big goal was money. We've always thought it was winning. I mean, he he's at the end of his career. Yep. He, he maybe wants to win another ring. Like I if, think
0: happiness comes into play on this. Like, is he happy still playing under Bill Belichick in that system? Well, I, I, th- I think all of those are factors, but I also think,
2: listen, I, Brady's been a guy that's taken the home count, hometown discount for a long time. I think Brady's finally going to get paid. And, and you know what? If he decides at 43 years old, I want my $30 million, like, listen, I, I've said this a million times. People don't remember this. 1996, 97 – in 1997, 1998, Michael Jordan made $66 million in those two years. It was a $30 million deal the year they won the fifth and a $36 million deal the year they won the sixth. Before that, there were times where he was nowhere near the highest paid player yeah. on that basketball team. I'm okay if Tom Brady right now says, you know what? Give me my $60 million over two years and y'all figure out the rest because the, the cap's going up. And we'll get to the CBA in a minute. There's going to be some changes there as
1: well. Tom's like, look, man, pay me. I'm 43. Let me get my check before right. I leave. And I think Bill, Bob Kraft has said that he would do that. Yeah. And that's why I think it comes down to Bill
2: Belichick. And, I think, and, and to the point on Bill Belichick, I think Bill Belichick's looking in that quarterback room going, I still want to win, and I don't want it to look like Tom was the reason. Maybe
1: I need to bring Tom back because what I got in this room right now, yeah, but if ain't going to get it done. But if you pay the decaying carcass of Tom Brady, $30 million, how are you going to have a roster around him that can win? <laughs> well, Did you see him it, last night? He didn't look like a decaying carcass. Well, he, well that's, fair. that's, fair. On that's football, fair. On the football, on the football field, side, he's, he average at best. Well, here's what year. I'll say to that. And he's though. not getting better.
2: Uh, I'll, I'll, while you're not wrong in that aspect, Dave, I'll, 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 I'll cash it this way. There's a bunch of younger guys who aren't as good about to make 30 plus million. Yeah. That's market rate. for. That's why I think, and and we'll get to this conversation in a minute, that's why I think the Carolina Panthers, unless he's not healthy, would be crazy to let go of Cam Newton while they're trying to rebuild his roster because he's a $19 million
1: cap number. That's a bargain at the quarterback position. Right, but that's exactly it. If you have Tom Brady for $30 million, you could also have Ryan Tannehill. You could also have... Teddy Bridgewater. You could also have Philip Rivers. At this point, you can argue, I like this guy better than that guy, but they're all basically the same player. They're all guys that are okay. Brady has this remarkable Hall of Fame all-time career, but the football player Tom Brady right now today is not the guy that we saw a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. If Bill Belichick is trying to win football games, he's throwing out emotion. He's just looking at it. Are we so sure that he gives them the best chance to win at $30 million when you could bring in a quarterback, pay him half that or two-thirds of that, bring in a developmental guy from the draft, and now you're looking towards the future?
2: I think that's always a possibility, but but Bill, we've seen, is not wired that way. I mean, we watched him trade away Jimmy Garoppolo, who just played in the Super Bowl. We watched him trade away Jacoby Brissett, who, by all accounts, before he got hurt— the Colts were on their way to the playoffs,
1: and then he missed some games, came back, and and wasn't as good down the stretch of the season. But are we sure Ryan Tannehill at $25 million saved the $5 million and drafted quarterback to have behind I think Tannehill. you're looking at it the
0: wrong way. I don't know that they go for a veteran guy. Well, here's the problem with Ryan Tannehill. Here's the problem with Ryan Tannehill.
2: Ryan Tannehill looked really good
0: because of 22. Yeah.
2: And yeah. so, uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not. I mean, if Tony
0: Michelle that, had that kind of season,
1: you know. Well, and,
2: but their offense isn't even designed that but way. It and I think that's the other Ryan problem. Ryan Tannehill. It, there
1: are a dozen quarterbacks available. Maybe it's Teddy Bridgewater.
2: Now, now see, that one I like. And, and here's why I like Teddy. He's younger. Um, You can continue to build around him. He's a guy that knows he's got to prove a little bit, so you're not going to have to pay him a bunch of money. Uh, the problem is, what are the Saints and Drew Brees doing? Because, listen, as much as I love Taysom Hill, and, and, and I'd love to be in a room with Sean Payton just to hear his philosophy on this, I think you got to be careful making Taysom Hill your full-time quarterback because all the package stuff that he brings with him, that goes out the window. But well,
1: guess what? If they decide to go with Bridgewater and Hill and Drew Brees is available, Drew Brees is better than Tom Brady right now. I,
2: I don't disagree with that. I, I also don't think Drew Brees plays anywhere else but but New Orleans. I think I think if Drew Brees wants to continue to play, he's in New Orleans. I I now now to me that one all three of the people involved coach, GM, uh, general manager, and and player four people involved uh, coach, GM, uh, owner, and player I should say all four of those people are on the same page. If Drew Brees is playing football in 2020, Drew Brees is a New Orleans Saint. Period.
1: Yeah, but the situation with Brady is complicated because, yes, there are two people that can make the call. Kraft has already said, I'll write the check. If Belichick wants him back, he comes back. Brady absolutely can look at the market. He's not going to find likely a situation where he has a better chance to win than in New England. So it seems to me if they're willing to write the check and if that's his best chance to win, that's his preferred option. I think it comes down to Belichick. And the options for Belichick are significant. Yeah, if
0: Bob Kraft is writing the check and I'm going to deal with Tom Brady for a year. That, he have I've never
1: known that Bill Belichick ha- ha- Has looked at things that way I think Bill Belichick thinks he runs the franchise Because I think he does run the franchise
2: I think he does in a lot of ways But I think at the same time They've done a very good job And I'll say it this way Every single decision has not been made by Bill Belichick But they've done, I think they've done a really good job allowing it to look as if he does the Patriot. I also think you can
1: argue that their best chance is with Tom Brady at $30 million. He knows the offense. He's worked successfully with Belichick for all of these years. There's no learning curve. And if you can sign him to just a one or a two year contract, you're not killing yourself going forward. Let me ask you this question. If you sign Brady for one or two years, Mm -hmm. is he able to deal with a young quarterback to work behind him to eventually take over for him. I think
2: he I think he can if you have the conversation the right way. Um
0: and see also if he thinks he's going out on his own way. Well but, you know but that's I
2: mean? but that's where it's about the conversation, right? Because if you bring Tom back and you give him let's say you bring him back and it's a two year deal.
0: Yeah, we're paying you two two thirty million dollar contracts but you need Tom, to Tom I'm him gonna the look you guy. in
2: your face and say, Listen, this is a two year deal and that's it. I'm not I'm not, like after two years, whether you want to play or not we're going in a different direction. This is, We're going to draft a young guy this year that's going to be your replacement in a couple of years. You're the guy until this contract is up. I, I, I think it's all about the... Now, most teams won't do that, right, obviously, but it's all about the optics of the conversation and how you frame right. it to the player.
1: What do you think the chances of, with Tom Brady for the next two years, of them winning another Super Bowl are?
2: Uh, I think they're dwindling. Um. And personally, I think it's less about Tom Brady. I mean, that's part of it, right? He's 43 years old. But I think it's also about the fact that the Buffalo Bills are improved. Like, until two years ago, that division was so bad that it was easy to say the Patriots are going to be the front runners. Well, right now, you look at it, the Bills are much improved. They made the playoffs this year. Uh, the Miami Dolphins have, what is it, 23 draft picks over the next two years, something crazy like that. Uh, so you start looking at the division. Meanwhile, just in the conference, you still got Lamar oh, Jackson. He's going to be around for a while. Pat Mahomes is still around. So you start looking around, and you go, man, the, the, yeah, the, the the situation is dwindling. And I think if you're Tom Brady, you have to look at that, too, as like the, the not only maybe the best chance to win from a coaching standpoint, but the best culture and infrastructure may be in New England as well. That might be where I need to end up um, to have the best chance to win in the twilight of my career. But I think it's about the optics and the way you have that conversation going back to the retirement piece or not. Because if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're in the situation they're in because Ben Roethlisberger a few years ago talked about retirement. They go draft Mason Rudolph in a haste because they're worried about Ben leaving. And then Ben says, well, I think I want to play four or five more years. And there were other pieces they could have addressed and not addressed. court. So it's it's about the conversation. And it's also about the player. Um, and and most people say players don't have this obligation, but I think they do. I think players have an obligation to not feel disrespected by laying out what they think. Tom Brady has said he wants to play until he's 45. That lays out a two-year contract. And the team can say, listen, you said 45. We're not going past 45. Period. And, and and this whoever we go get, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, Ryan Tannehill, a dude in the draft, whatever, this is the future of us when you turn 45, and that's the reality of the situation.
1: And, and I'll put a cap on it, Mike. You can make a comment as well. Thank you. I don't know that it matters because one of the teams in the conference has— Pat Mahomes, who is just so much better. I mean, the, the, the AFC ran through Baltimore this year because Lamar Jackson had an incredible season. There's no reason to think he's not going to continue to be good. Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. Regardless, you have Tom Brady, you don't have Tom Brady. Tom Brady plays on the Chargers, he plays on the Raiders, he that's plays right. at best, whatever team he's on, is your third choice going to the next year in the AFC. Minimum third choice, and if the Bills
2: keep improving the way they are, maybe the fourth.
0: Well, and that's what, what I was thinking when we were having this, this back half of this discussion, is when you kept pressing, like, is this the Patriots' best chance to win? It might not matter, they could have YA Tittle back there, in his prime, I mean, they, it, just because of the way the divisions laid out and the conference, I and mean, Pat Mahomes, and, and it, we could be talking about another three or four or five years of of the Chiefs being yes, I, I mean, they they could be the next Patriots. Well,
2: if you look at if you look at that football team, they've got so many young pieces. Now they're going to have to probably pay Tyron Matthew, but that's a guy that's another player that's under thirty years old. Pat Mahomes is twenty four years old. Right. Tyreek Hill is and fairly on a young. Right. Tyreek Hill is fairly young. Now the problem is going to be you just made the point. Pat Mahomes is on a rookie deal. At some point, they're gonna to have to pay him. It's yeah. probably gonna be this year, and, and there's a discussion that it may be in the in the area of two hundred million dollars, with more than a hundred guaranteed. You start looking at those numbers, and we'll see what the new CBA looks like. But all of a sudden you start to wonder what their staying power is and if they can keep all those guys signed. Chris Jones, another fairly young player yeah. on the defensive That's side of the football. Great and, a and he was like a, difference and
1: he's a difference maker. maker. But, for but them. That, that is such a good point because we saw Russell Wilson win the Super Bowl, but hasn't since he's yeah. come off that rookie deal. We saw Jared Goff go yep. to the Super Bowl on his rookie deal. It is Cam so Newton hard. It it's so hard yeah. when you're paying your quarterback 20, 25, 30 million it's, dollars to address the rest of your roster. That's why you have to think that Baltimore More is in such a good position right now. They
2: are, and let me make another point about that. And I think we may see Pat Mahomes. I think is going to be the exception more than the rule in the next ten to fifteen years. I think we're going to see quarterback salaries change, and the reason why is because let's do the math here, right? So uh, Pat Mahomes, he's going to get paid going into his prime at twenty five years old. Probably he'll get paid, right? So you're going to pay him. You're going to give him a probably a seven or eight year deal for two hundred million dollars at. 25 years old, right? Great. So the next time he's up, he's probably going to be around 29 or 30, right in the middle of his prime to get paid. The problem has been, as the, the dogs head out the door. Well, they um, disagree with you. They, they, do. they don't think the structure of quarterback structure. pay is
1: going to change. They're very happy with how it is right now. And
2: I get it. but I, And I think what could happen um, is, let's do the math, right? So years ago, you get a quarterback. Let's use Aaron Rodgers as an example. Went to junior college, then he went to Cal. By the time he was drafted, he was 23 years old. By the time he got paid off that rookie deal, that next deal, he was 28, 29 years old. You know what that guy is. Right now, a lot of these kids are finishing high school early, going to college for just three years. You look at it. Some of these quarterbacks, a guy like Tua Valoa, 21 years old. So you're trying to make a decision on a guy at 23, 24 years old whether or not to give him 150 – eventually it'll be $150 million. Yeah. I think teams are going to be more likely to go the Kirk Cousins route. We'll give you a franchise tag. We'll give you, Because you have to make sure you want to commit to some of these guys at 30-plus million a year at 24, as opposed to back then, 27, yeah. 28, when you're writing this big check and you know what you have. A lot of teams say it, right? We need to figure out what we have in this kid. Do you really know – where the development is of a player at 23, 24 years old. Again, some Pat yes, Mahomes some being the exception yeah. to the rule. But on the flip side of that, Ryan Tannehill at 25 years old was was getting ready to get shipped out of uh, Miami. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is twenty what, 23, 24 years old, and he's essentially done in Chicago. What happens to – does he have right. a Ryan Tannehill-like resurgence – three years from now at 27 years old, and now there's a discussion. Oh, do, people are really thinking, do they pay? Do they give? Does someone guarantee Ryan Tannehill 18 to $20 million a year below market value, right, or high market value? But that's a conversation because he's 28, and they think this year is more of the reality of who he was as opposed to three and a half years ago in Miami. It's an interesting thing to watch, I think, over the next five to seven years Where quarterback salaries go because these kids are coming to the NFL younger and younger. And think about it. Lamar Jackson just won the MVP at 21 years old. I mean, he's a baby.
1: Over that next five and seven years that you mentioned, there's going to be a new CBA. Yes. And if there is going to be a 17th game, and I don't know whether there is or is not, the players are going to get everything under the sun in exchange for playing that extra game. What are those things? What do the players want that could turn the balance to them willing to play the extra game?
2: Uh, I think it's the long-term healthcare is the main piece of it. And, um, more guaranteed money, which we've seen, Uh, not the structure change, but we've seen more teams being willing to give out bigger guarantees in um, contracts. I, I, I was, I, I don't know if you guys watched it, but I, I watched the Michael Vick um, 30 for 30 uh, the other day. And, and, and the thing I thought was interesting is they were like, yeah, Michael Vick got a hundred million dollar contract with 37 guaranteed and 3 million to sign. And everybody's like, wow. Like, Thirty-seven million guaranteed is no money anymore. Now it's it's a hundred million. What did Kirk Cousins get? Four years, eighty-four million all guaranteed. That's only twenty-one million a year, by the way. But it's all guaranteed. Think about that. Michael Vick got less than half of that guaranteed in a hundred million dollar contract. So the numbers have gone up. So I think the guaranteed money is important. Um, And then I think it's the health care long term for these players, uh, particularly former players. So as they retire and move away from the game. And I think they're also uh, one of the things I've heard that that's a big push is uh, lifting the pension amount. Um, Right now, you got to have three years to get something. uh, But I think it's more about the amount right now. I think um, the amount is it's less than fifty thousand dollars right now. um, And I think they're pushing to get it above fifty thousand dollars to where essentially if you're a guy that, let's just say, played seven, eight, ten years in the league and maybe made, let's just say you made slightly above league minimum and you made $7 million in those years, that 50000 will allow you to essentially uh, live a fairly simple life in terms of being able to pay your non-maybe household like mortgage bills. Let's just say a guy built a big house, whatever. Um, but it'll allow you to pay some bills as opposed to, you know, you know, 25, 30 grand right now, whatever that number is, is not doing as much from that standpoint. So I think it's gonna come down to uh after player aftercare is gonna be the big piece. And then can we get some more money while we're playing as well?
1: Obviously the financials of it are if they go to a seventeenth regular season game, there is just huge revenue, an extra week of games. Maybe there's an extra week of playoff games. Like like The amount of money the NFL can make off of that is enormous. So, they are willing to yield quite a bit on all of those other issues you said. Gut feeling. Do the players go for it?
2: I think the players will take Game 17 if the money is there. Um, I think the other thing the league should do, and I don't know that the players are asking for this, but I would absolutely mandate if I were a part of Uh, the negotiating group or part of the the leaders of the players union is I would mandate that if I'm playing Thursday night, um, I'm playing Thursday night coming off a buy. And essentially uh, you work in essentially kind of a double buy almost for a couple of teams or for teams throughout the middle of the season. And the way you could do that is basically uh, you kick your Thursday night, you, you start your Thursday night slate, maybe week six or week seven, and then you just do it for, for like six or seven weeks or whatever that number is, eight weeks, that kind of middle stretch of the season. And then you you do away with it so the teams kind of balance back out down the stretch of the season. I also love the set. I like the 17th game in the aspect of it makes it easier to eliminate some tiebreakers um, because that odd game oftentimes is going to create um, some different number structure. I think the 17th game also can kind of maximize the opportunity to have those rivalry games if you go to a 17th game I don't need to see the New York Giants playing the San Diego Chargers again I need to know that the New York Giants are always going to play the New York Jets I need to know that the Miami Dolphins are always going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I need to know that uh you know those types of rivalries are going to be built and remain. I need to know that, and I'm just making this one up. Maybe it's the Titans are always playing the Atlanta Falcons. I need to know the Cowboys are always playing the Texans. I need to know that the Chargers right now that they're in LA are always playing the Rams. Like I need to know that those types of rivalries are going to be there consistently every year. If that's what I'm getting out of this then sign me up. If that's not what I'm getting and I'm just getting a random 17th game, I don't know that it's worth it.
1: Mike, the Panthers are in transition. A new coach, maybe a new quarterback. What do you see as their offseason plan and kind of what the next... 2 or 3 months what they're looking for in the draft what they're looking for in free agency and then kind of the the 2 year 3 year plan for Matt Rule and company is I think we're going to find out
0: the first week of free agency what direction this team is going in. Yep. I think I think and I, and I don't know that anybody really knows that's outside the building truly what's going on yet. My sense is the Kim, cam- and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Reggie, Dave, and I did on the Bearded Carcast. This episode 24. And You can certainly follow us at Bearded Carcast on Twitter and send us an email beardedcarcast at outlook.com. That would be smart, people. That would be smart. Uh, leave us a review, too. But um, to me, the Luke Keekly piece would strongly suggest rebuilding when you look at the totality of what's happened, right? The people that yep. Matt Rule has brought in, the fact that Matt Rule was hired the fact that this team wants to have a long, sustained, you know, winning culture. I, I, and I know from what we've heard from David Tepper over two years now is that, you know, he, he clearly is competitive and wants to win now. I just don't know that uh, there are just so many different uh, question marks right now. Uh, you still have to work on your offensive line. Is Cam Newton your quarterback? Are you going to draft a quarterback in the first round this year? Are you going to try and trade up? Uh, in the draft. I mean, there's just so many questions. That's
2: such an interesting point on Cam Newton because it goes back to what I was just talking about. He's 30. Yeah. Theoretically, he's in his prime. Uh, the shoulder injury, some people could say that it'll never heal and that's the end of him. Well, they, they said the same thing about Drew Brees. I'm not calling Cam Newton Drew Brees, but shoulders are shoulders. Guys that throw the football a lot, That's that's what it is. Part of it's his mechanics. I've said that for years. The foot injury... Like I don't feel like these are the two injuries that say the body is just falling apart and breaking down. Like, right. To me, I don't think those are the types of injuries that say that. Now, does that mean that the body isn't breaking down? I, I can't say that I know that for, for for a fact. So I think it's interesting what they do with the quarterback position again. I think if he's healthy in 2020, you keep him because 19 million is a great bargain, right? Especially, and if he's you're... healthy,
0: he still has a good or one or two years left in him, at least. Now well, he's sitting he at number seven. The
2: problem at number seven is the the conversation is Joe Burrow is going one. He'll be the first quarterback right. off the board, right. of minimal. And Cincinnati's not budging off. Right, the and then after that, you look at the quarterbacks. You go, okay, we have an issue with the fact that Cam Newton is hurt. That's not going to say anything positive that you go draft a guy in Tonga Valoa who's hurt he's not going to be available anyway and then there's that piece right so if he falls to you which I don't think he will I think you're absolutely right on that and that Dave he ain't going to be there but in the weird off chance that he is it's because the medical came back not so good right. which means do you go from a guy who people think is broken to a guy that you know is broken right the answer there to me is no And then you go down the list, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, I'm all set. Those are not guys I'm picking at seven. Justin Herbert, I'm not picking him at seven. So you start looking at this thing and you go, is the quarterback really what we going to fix us right now anyway? No, because I think the target becomes if you can get Trevor Lawrence in 2021. Now, that would take a lot of doing.
1: In order to get Trevor Lawrence in 2021, you can't play a healthy Cam Newton anyway. He's going to win too many games. That's my point. There
2: you go. So you have to ask yourself, are you really giving Cam a one-year audition to figure out if he's the future? Or are you moving on right away? Either way you do it, if you try to trade him, everyone's going to know he's not healthy.
1: What can you get for him?
2: I think you can get probably a third and a sixth maybe, or a fourth and a sixth. Sixth? Something like that. You can get a no, but couple if, you of out, picks. if you come out, if you come out,
0: if you signal in free agency, if he's healthy, yeah. But I would say this: if you're signaling in free agency that you're not going after a lot of guys, I think that's the signal to the rest of the league that that They're this team's is looking to re- to build through the draft, right? Yep. So then you, you maybe you get two or three draft picks for Cam Newton. That puts you in a position now to tank for Trevor.
2: Yeah, you're. you're t- yeah. Now here's the question you have to ask yourself because this is the whole key right now. If you're the Carolina Panthers.
0: But you better lose every single game to make –
2: it's like – But do you – and and this is one that I know a lot of people don't want to hear. But if you're going to move on from Cam and you're going to tank, yeah, for the organization, it's prudent to tank while Christian McCaffrey is cheap. But do you want to risk – Allowing him,
1: listen. He had a phenomenal year. We had this discussion yeah. a month ago. He had a
2: phenomenal year. Yeah.
1: But do you waste? You want to burn two years, years of his? Right. Absolutely. I think you trade him too. Uh, here's he's my the thing. Be, he's the best player on the team. If you, but if you're if you're wasting a year, If you're going
2: to rebuild it. Rebuild it. If you're not going to rebuild it, then try to build around well, him. Well, think you about can't this. Do
0: both. And and I, and I don't. I don't, Dave and I disagree on this. I don't think you should trade Christian McCaffrey. However, playing devil's advocate to my opinion, to do what we're talking about. You know, Christian McCaffrey, does he get like a Herschel Walker type return? I mean, the shelf
1: life of running backs is very, very short. But he's still if on his gonna, rookie deal. Exactly. Yeah. See, to me, it's not even about the shelf life. That's when he's the life. most valuable.
2: To me, it's not even about the shelf life. It, it, it's it's If you're going to try to win now, that's a guy you keep but you got to be aggressive in free agency. You right. got to be aggressive in the draft and go get don't go get developmental pieces. You go get people that can come in and step in and make plays right now. 100%. So you so so if you're going to the draft, if you're staying at 7 and you're saying we're going to keep Cam Newton, the first thing you're doing is you're going down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama yeah. and you're looking at those wide receivers. That's number 1 because you need a playmaker that can help you down the field, I like DJ Moore, I like Curtis Samuel, they're young guys, but I need so does that, that can mean you can't drive Jerry
1: right Judy? Because you said you go to Alabama, but Jerry Judy yeah. doesn't have 4 3 speed down the field. No, also. he doesn't
2: have 4 3 speed down the field, but if he catches it across the middle, it becomes 4 3 speed. He's yeah. a guy that you don't he's catch, terrific. from behind. he's I'm terrific. terrific. I'm a
1: huge what? fan of his, but doesn't he mimic the wide receivers he has now? Great route runner, well, great pass catcher, like JJ Moore, but maybe a little Or later. it's
2: Jamar Chase, or it's Jefferson from yeah. LSU, like you're going to find dominant players at their position, yeah. or you're going to find uh, you know, a, a pass rusher that you know is going to wreak havoc. Are you trading up to try to get a guy like Chase Young? You know the Bengals aren't coming off a, two, a one, right. but maybe somebody's coming off. Maybe you can yeah. get the Redskins, your old buddy, Ron Rivera, probably not going to convince him to do that, to come off a two so you can go get yeah. Chase Young. You've got to go get absolute difference makers, and I think there's only two or three in this draft, or... You gotta go offensive line. Yeah, I mean, you Got have it. to go find a left tackle that you know
1: for sure is the future of that position for the next ten years. So, if you're playing for now, you have to be pretty darn certain that Cam Newton is healthy, right? Right. You have to know. But they're he's having these healthy. discussions
0: right now. They're, my guess is they're having these discussions where they're saying, "All right, what's our what's our realistic opportunity to win now?" I'm and- willing to bet
2: that Cam Newton's got a workout scheduled coming up here soon. I don't know this for sure. This is purely speculation on my part. But I'm willing to bet before March 1st, because that's an important date in the NFL yearly calendar, before March 1st, Cam Newton will work out in front of Matt Rule and, and Marty Herney and the powers that be with the Carolina Panthers so they can figure out if he's healthy. And if they don't think he's healthy and the medicals don't come back the right way, I think you see a full overturn of this franchise. Yeah. I think if, if the medical comes back good and his – workout comes back the right way and even if it does they're going to manage him throughout the offseason program i think you'll see them try to build around quarterback one with this being a 19 million dollar cap year to see if he's the real deal or not
0: my guess is if they feel like they can win now with him they are going to do it but if they feel like it's it's either there's something damaged good still with cam that because i think tepper and he's even said this like they still want to win now but they want to develop for the future. So they're trying to figure out how they can – I think they're trying to figure out how they can do both. And I think the Greg Olson situation was a Well, that's a interesting because he invitation. said he may go to, to the Redskins well, or he may want to go to the Redskins. Well, here's – th-
2: What I think happened with Greg Olson was they they sat down and they said – they asked him flat out, are you going to play in 2020? He said, I don't know. And they said, we can't. We don't have time to play the I don't know game. Right. That, I don't know that to be sure, but I think that was part of the equation because they've got to know – what they have what they don't have cuz they got to deal with the draft I just think you got to be either all in or all out. I totally agree you can't
1: agree. go halfway to to have a year where you go 7 and 9 and draft number 12 does you no good Agreed. you have to either say Cam Newton's the guy we are getting veteran free agents who are going to help us win now we are drafting aggressively to win with players that are playmakers Yep. Or you got to say, start it is a total teardown. If it's a teardown, you already lost your best defensive player. Yep. Cam Newton is a train wreck. Ship Mal, get what you can, and get rid of McCaffrey and try to go 0-16. And,
2: and oh, by the way, it's time to pay James Bradbury, too. I mean, you start looking around. They just paid Shaq Thompson. You got to pay James Bradbury. Trey Boston was on a one-year deal. You got to decide if you're going to bring him back. You look at it offensively. Uh, Greg Little, your second-round pick from last year, has been nothing but injured. Feel bad for the kid. Concussions yeah. like crazy. Uh, uh, Dennis Daly has had his issues with injuries as well. You've got to fix your offensive line. Uh, Kwan Short is coming off an injury where he missed basically the entire season as That's well. That's the
1: argument for rebuilding. You've got a lot of question marks. It's not like Cam Newton comes back and is good. If you don't hit it out of the park in free agency in the draft, you're still not good enough to win the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah and and, and, it, and that's what David Tepper wants so I think I think they've got to, I think the medical of Cam Newton will determine the
1: direction of this franchise period I think Luke Keekley was a pretty good signal Luke Keekley retires he's your best player your best offensive player McCaffrey is great but the shelf life is five years so if you're gonna win with him now cool that's great but my suspicion is this is a football team that's got a mess of a roster. You've got all those question marks. Your most important position is a huge who knows and probably leaning towards this isn't trending correctly. Yeah. I just have a hard time looking objectively at it and saying, yeah, I think they can quickly rebuild. Even if Cam is great, you got to pick the right free agents. you got to draft exactly correctly. I think your chances of succeeding doing that are not particularly high.
2: And oh, by the way, this is the National Football League. As rich as David Tepper is, he ain't got no more money to spend than Arthur Blank in Atlanta. And there's a salary the, cap, right? That's what I mean. He he's got to spend the same amount of money as everybody. The yeah. well, league's
0: designed for everybody to have a chance. That's now and exactly
2: then. right. He he can spend the same amount of money as Bob Kraft, Jerry Jones. They they got the same amount of money. So the reality is, it's not like he can be. It's not like the NBA where you can go. Well, I don't care about the luxury tax in the NFL. You don't have that option. You you get to spend the same amount of money as every right. other owner. So eleven
0: billion dollars for people listening at home doesn't mean anything. No, but well, where it does mean something though is you can try and put more money into into resources in finding. The hidden gems. Correct. And the, so, I mean, that's yeah, where the.
1: It's, it's scouting and, and the analytics and infrastructure and all that. And that's what they did with Matt Rule. Give credit to David Tepper. We don't know if Matt Rule is going to be great or not, but he found the guy he wanted and he made sure he secured him. And then he did a great job. But Matt Rule, I should say, did a great
2: job of with mixing staff. in his guys that he believes in, that he's bringing with him, and guys that have NFL experience yeah. because he doesn't have a lot of it. But he understood the importance of surrounding himself with guys that have that experience. I thought that was very important. Yeah.
0: All right, Reggie. Well, thanks so much. Uh, a lot of fun talking with you. And uh, you're always welcome here in the Bearded Carcast. Listen,
2: I'm I'm always a fan of showing up on the Bearded Carcast. I've got like a Can mini beard. Can you wait beard. like
1: three days to cash that check? <laughs> uh yeah i can't uh, did you post date it did you? as long as it's post-dated post-dated
0: for february 15th we'll all be good all right we'll be back next week hopefully uh with another edition of the bearded car cast we're going to longwood on uh saturday longwood virginia we're not taping on saturday farmville however. farmville virginia. what did i say longville yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been a long weekend Farmville's an interesting place farmville, virginia. farmville is there. yeah so f- basically look at virginia go to the middle of nowhere go two miles take a left and you're at Farmville. Oh, there's a couple of those in that, in that <laughs> no, UVA like, Wise is in the yeah. middle of nowhere. <laughs>
2: uh, GW Danville, which is a powerhouse football program in high school at the high school level. GW Danville's kind of in the middle of nowhere as well. Uh, but there's some there's a lot of middle of nowhere places in in in, in Virginia outside of Tidewater and Blacksburg and yeah. northern Ain't a whole lot there except for Charlottesville.
0: A lot of cows. A lot of cows. Well, if you want to get a hold of Reggie Walker, you can email us, CarCast at outlook.com. We'll forward it. Uh, also, uh, listen on Stitcher now and leave a, a review. And uh, so, for everybody, for Reggie Walker, Dave Friedman, I'm Mike Pacheco. Thanks for listening to the Bearded Carcast.